And Brian, you and I and Kara, we have been on many of these sailings in many theaters where these shows have been epic. I have never heard the crowd erupt like they did in that moment. It was like the buzzer shot of the Final Four game, except that we look over and there's a family diagonal from us. And it's like mom, dad, and the three princess daughters are in the middle. And the dad just looks like you have tortured him at this point with this news. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the DCL Duo podcast brought to you by My Path Unwinding Travel. And today it's only me, but I'm coming to you live and in color. Also coming to you live and in color with two guests. So, hey, we're moving into video. We're, we're finally embracing the 19th century technology of photography and video. For those of you listening at home on your favorite podcast player, if you want to head over to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash DCL Duo and subscribe, you can start to see the podcast live and in color. Hopefully we're going to give this a shot. But if you prefer to just listen to audio and you don't want to really want to see my ugly mug, you don't have to see it either. You can just listen on your favorite podcast player going for it. So with that, I've got two fabulous guests with me. Uh, I want to welcome Gail and Kara back to our show. Welcome. Hello. Hi, Brian. <laughs> Excited to have you back. And today, oh, we were joking off air. We're going to be talking about sailing in a hurricane. Now, you actually weren't sailing in a hurricane. I also just want to say up front... Hurricane Ian was a big deal, and our thoughts go out to everyone who was impacted in that hurricane, and there are lots of great ways that you can donate and give back to help those folks. Uh, so not at all making light of the damaging impact that Ian had, but we did want to hear what the experience was like on board a Disney ship that is sailing while a hurricane is occurring back in Port Canaveral and in Florida. Gail and Kara just happened to be on the Disney Wish while that was happening. And so we have them here today. Before we dive in, Gail, you've been on the show before. Kara, you've been on the show before. But let's recap your Disney Cruise Line experience uh, for our audience so they have your Disney Cruise Line cred. So, Gail, why don't we start with you? Sure. We actually started sailing Disney Cruise Line together in 2006. Uh, I was not keen to return to cruising based on a prior experience. But my best friend Kara said, let's try it. And I said, I will only try it if we try it with Disney. And boy, was she right. And so for me, that was uh, 2006 and 17 cruises ago to the Bahamas, Western Eastern Caribbean, Pacific Coast, repositioning Mexico, the Mediterranean. But Kara has one very special sailing that I do not. Yeah, I am two sailings behind Gail. I only have 15. She's gone on two that I haven't, but I also did the inaugural Alaskan. She was in Europe with some students. I always forget to tell that part, so I remembered it this time. And I took my parents on the inaugural to Alaskan, which was an awesome voyage. What a gift. What a gift, the inaugural Alaska voyage. I have to be nicer to my elders, I suppose. Well, that's fabulous. Lots of Disney Cruise Line experience between the two of you, which is amazing. Let's talk about the sailing that you... We're on and it's it's recent. So you were on the Disney Wish for what was supposed to be a four night sailing, I believe. That's correct. And and where obviously leaving out of Port Canaveral, going to the Bahamas and Castaway Key, when was the sailing specifically? So I think it's important to know that it was leaving on a Monday because time started to lose all meaning uh, during this uh, this cruise. So we left on September twenty sixth. And we had booked it on opening day back, uh, I believe it was May 21st of 21. Let's talk about, I mean, heading into the cruise. The hurricane kind of was a known thing that was 
coming. And I think trajectory of it was in question still and things like that. But what were your thoughts heading into a cruise knowing that Ian is out there brewing? And I think it already impacted Puerto Rico probably at that point. And so what, what, what was your planning like heading into that? Carol, let me ask that to you first. We, we knew that we were likely going to be impacted by it. We didn't know sort of which side of the state it would hit and if it would close Canaveral or not. We didn't really worry too much about it. Uh, we were booked on Southwest Airlines to come home and we knew that they have fairly friendly policies if we needed to rebook. We have lots of friends and family in the area. So if for some reason we just couldn't get a flight out, we knew we'd have a place to stay. I even put something on Facebook. Hey friends, you know, if we get back on Friday and we can't fly home and we can't go anywhere, who's got a room for us? So we did think about that, but we also were on a cruise in, was that 08? 2010. In 2010, where we got delayed by a day and had an extra day on the ship. And so we kind of knew how Disney handled it. So we just, we weren't that worried about it. We knew Disney would take care of us one way or the other. Well, I think the other thing was we were flying into Orlando two days early. And at that point, all accounts were that it was going to go up the West Coast. So I honestly didn't give much thought to it whatsoever until we really started heading toward embarkation day. How early before the cruise did you get in? We flew in first thing Saturday morning with a Monday departure, right? The all important question I think folks might want to know, did you or did you not have travel insurance for the sailing? So I did. And normally that means we both would. And for some reason, Kara sort of missed pulling the trigger on that. Yeah, I, I don't know why I didn't, other than Gail didn't sort of hound me about it. So um, Gail is the responsible party in this uh, tag team of travelers, and I just didn't worry about it. We had a situation with another cruise um, that got delayed because of my work, and it took us a long time to get the reimbursement from the travel company. We knew I was pretty sure the cruise wasn't going to get canceled, which was the only thing I really worried about. Um, again, because we were on Southwest Airlines, because it was Florida. Because it was Disney. Because it was Disney. Like, I didn't really worry about it that much with this one. Had we been going to Europe or something like that, yeah, I'd worry about it. But then we wouldn't have, I don't think, gotten impacted by a hurricane. So I, I do typically encourage folks, you know, look into the travel insurance. It's never, I agree with you. Disney does a lot of the right things 99% of the time. But, you know, you may also be dealing with an airline or a non-Disney resort hotel or things like that. And I would say look into it. If you're traveling often enough, we carry a we carry an annual policy for our travel that covers that, just about this was everything. the last trip of my my annual policy as well. Yeah. yeah. And it so, would have been the last trip on my annual. I just didn't I didn't take it out this time. And those annual policies can be very cost effective if if you're traveling enough, right? So um, just I always tell people read the fine print on what is and what isn't covered because I almost re-upped our annual travel policy with an existing provider and figured out that they were not providing COVID coverage to residents of the state of Washington. And so went with another provider until they bring back that coverage. But yeah, always read the fine print, know what's covered and what's not. <laughs> so, well, so you show up, you get on board. Gosh, remind me, you have or have not been on the wish before. Neither of you. So we this is not. a first time. What a first time on the wish. <laughs> wow. Okay. So tell me about first impressions of the wish when you got on board. It's beautiful. This ship is 
absolutely gorgeous. The Grand Hall, if you've been on the other ships, the Atrium, it's the Grand Hall on the Wish. It is, it's three levels. It's stunningly beautiful. There's some live entertainment that's happening all hours of the day in the Grand Hall. The theming throughout the ship is spectacular. There are there are a couple little nuances that I don't like, but in general, I loved this ship. In terms of navigation, which I know a lot of people hate, I found this ship ridiculously easy to navigate. I, I had my challenges with navigation, so I can understand where it's coming from, but I think it's more, it was, for me, it was more baked in. I know what this should look like if I was on the dream or the fantasy or the wonder, the magic and less like, so I just, I abandoned that and just started using like, let me look at the map and where I am and where I need to go and, <laughs> and I will get there. Yeah. But, and we had, yeah. we had, so Gail, you know, Gail's the travel agent among the two of us. She had studied, she knew every detail of the ship. She had, you had two people, two families that cruised before us. Yes. Yes. One family, two cruises before mm-hmm. us, I think. <laughs> So she had to know the wish inside and out beforehand. I didn't. And I think what made it easier for me is the non-midship stairs. Because I knew if I was on the blue stairs, I was in the back of the ship. And if I was on the green stairs, I was in the front of the ship. And I didn't get confused at midship. And so that, for some reason, just was easier for my brain to navigate. Gail, first impressions of the wish for you. Oh, wow. I mean, just what everybody has said that it is beautiful. I think one of the things that I really gravitated toward was so much of of like the the archival nature. So in the Grand Hall with all of the the artwork and the props of how they put the ship together, of course, the, the same things in 1923 of that dining restaurant. We did um, on the second day, because it wasn't offered until the second day, took the Walking the Wish tour and got even more of that insight in history and knowledge about the artwork, which for me, I will geek out about that because I want to know everything. Uh, and it gives a deeper context for the whole experience. Yeah, I, I love those ship tours. I actually wish that they would kind of do like a self-guided audio tour somehow in the... Uh in the app. I think that that could be really, uh, really kind of a neat add on. But well, you, you get past first impressions. Since this is your first time on the ship, I have so many questions, uh, even beyond the hurricane. So let's let's talk about the ship for a few minutes. And then uh, then we'll dive into what happened. What kind of uh, what kind of stateroom did you have on board? So we tend to, for better or worse, we gravitate toward a 7A. We have gotten to the point where we don't care where we are on the ship because we've done enough of these. You just give us a veranda and we are good to go. And I wasn't sure exactly how fast everything was going to go on opening day. And so literally the first 7A, grabbed it, done, did not come back and think about it again, except for one time. And then I saw how much the price had gone up and went, nope, we are good where we are. We will (laughs) stay put. Uh, So we were in uh, 95.14. So forward and starboard, this was actually the very first time we had ever sailed forward and just had a little curiosity about how much motion we would feel. And while we'll get into the details of this, of, of not always being in the best water or the smoothest water, it was like silk. And and Carrie, you can talk, you tend to have more issue with this than I do. 
I'm very prone to motion sickness. And so I start downing meclizine a couple of days before the cruise. I didn't feel a thing on this sh- ship other than the day I did the mixology class when I was a little drunk. But otherwise, I never felt a thing the entire cruise. Yeah, I never feel a thing until after Remy dinner with wine pairings. So I, I, I understand where you're coming from there. What did you think of the stateroom overall once you got inside? Highs, highs and lows? I mean, I think some people have criticized and lauded different things. I'm curious what your impressions were, Gail, of the stateroom. So I think uh, you know we're a little different. We don't have kids when we tend to be best friend traveling together. And so I knew some of the, the potential aspects from people I'd heard from previously. And so I'm the one who gets the sofa bed, right? So I'm super excited about drawers in the desk area that are really no longer there. And I mean... We worked around it. We very quickly said, here's your space and my space in the closet. I am flabbergasted at the door setup of the closets. You always have to be moving two of them like at the same time to get in there. Uh, the other thing that we had started doing on the other ships is using one of the bathroom doors, leaving it open and making ourselves our own little closet changing room up at the front. And you sort of can't do that on this ship either. But uh, I think a lot of people would agree. Biggest highlight, the nightlight in the bathroom. <laughs> uh-huh. Love that thing. I want to put it in my own house now. Yeah, that was, that is a nice addition. I thought the shower was nice. I thought it was nice to have the glass enclosed shower mm-hmm. as opposed to the shower curtain. Definitely. Storage completely lacking for sure. You know, one of the divisive features has been the TV, which is bigger, but at the foot of the bed and non-articulating. You can't change the angle of view. How did that that work for the two of you? Well, particularly because Gail always takes the sofa bed. Part of that reason is because she tends to watch television before she goes to sleep and I don't. And so each evening we would both sit on the bed and she had to come sit on the bed and watch the Weather Channel with me. She couldn't be tucked into her bed and me tucked into my bed. We had to sit over there, watch it together, and then go. It's okay, but it's dumb. We made it work. And I think you watched stuff on your iPad to go to sleep this yeah, time. I, I made sure the iPad was loaded this time. We we just got off the magic. And I want to say, and I might have said it in the show, I can't remember, but one of the things we love, so we were in a concierge family veranda stateroom. And one of the things I loved about that stateroom setup is it had a TV at the foot of the bed and it had a TV in the couch area. And I was like, blew my mind, two TVs in a family veranda stateroom. And I was immediately like, why didn't they just do this on the wish? If they didn't want to put the TV on an articulating arm, then put a second TV in the stateroom. Cause I completely agree. There are nights when our son wants to watch a movie in bed or we do, and he doesn't. Right. And it's just kind of, it's kind of nice to be able to, to do that. So yeah, unfortunate. Let's move, let's move on to some other aspects of the ship. I think one we have to cover is the, uh, the pool area and the water slide. Uh, again, <laughs> essentially another device. This is going to be a, sh- another this is gonna be a short segment, Brian. Was it just, was <laughs> it, was the weather just terrible the whole time on this cruise for? No, 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 not at all. Okay. I remember this, Kara, you don't like the heat. And so you're not going out to the pool. So d- yeah, give me the, give me the 30 second recap of your 30 seconds at the pool. Let me put that. <laughs> 30 seconds is one second. We didn't go at all. Really? Uh-huh. Wow. We took pictures of a couple of pools. That's as close as we got. Um, we were busy doing other things. They were pretty full, as everybody else has said. The the adult only area vastly too small. Uh, the one day I did want to go up to Chippendale, knowing that most people didn't know it was up there, it was closed, and it was 
most of the weather that we had, it was like standing in front of a hairdryer 24-7, no matter where you were. And it was almost like, I don't even want to be outside, even if I'm in the pool. I think that's maybe our Midwest oversensitivity. I don't know. I will commend Captain Andy, though. He did a fabulous job. If you wanted to be on the pool, since we had we had three days at sea in total, is sure. that right? Sure. Yeah. Something like that. He did an amazing job of keeping us in sunny weather. We just kind of did little circles uh, behind Nassau, basically. He did an amazing job. Um, so if you wanted to be at the pool, you could be, but it just wasn't for us on this cruise. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I, I assume no rides on the Aquamouse then either for anyone. No. All right. I was no. planning on it and just didn't didn't happen. Yeah, no. I mean, look, hey, choose cruising is choose your own adventure. And so if that's it's not your cup of tea, you don't have to do it. Let's talk about some of the bars on board. Lots of spaces to get coffee, lots of spaces to find a drink on board, I think. And so any standout favorites for you from a bar perspective? Carol, let me start with you. Um, So I was able to secure a spot in Mixology while we were sitting in the uh, embarkation area of the cruise line terminal. I had been stocked. I stocked Mixology from the day it opened to us and was never available. And somehow the second I connected to the ship Wi-Fi, there was one spot left for one show. So for one uh, spot. So I grabbed it. Gail doesn't enjoy drinking, so she would not have enjoyed it at all. I I loved the rose. I think it's beautiful. Um, And that's where the mixology class took place. Um, We really enjoyed Nightingales. We tended to navigate towards that space in the evening. Hyperspace Lounge, sorry. It's overhyped, honestly. We did not really enjoy it. I did finally make Gail go in so I could take a picture or two, but that was about it. Did we ever sit down in the bayou? No, we walked by a lot because, well, that's where you walk a lot. Yeah, you can't you yeah. can't avoid the bayou yeah. in most most cases. Yeah, we would normally spend a lot of time in Keg and Compass for different events and just hanging out. It was just it's just too small and it was just packed all the time. We had a lot of issue and we were at the end of September where it shouldn't have been that crowded. Where we would go to venues for things. 15 minutes early, not a seat to be had. It was just packed. It's it's interesting because I think Disney was going for kind of that smaller, more intimate experience across different spaces, but they put very popular activities then into very small spaces, which means they got oversubscribed very quickly. And it seems like none of the spaces are actually big enough to accommodate the number of people that want to do the activity that they're scheduling in the spaces themselves. Was hyperspace still on a reservation system for your sailing or was it just open seating? It had just, I think it had just come off the reservations. So you said you like the Rose. You said you like Nightingales. Did you get to try any of the sort of specialty drink experiences at either of those two venues? So in the Rose, they before we did Palo, I ordered one of the drinks that we'd had the night the day before in Mixology, which was the hibiscus martini that came with the passion fruit smoke uh, bubble on top of it. So we got to see the smoke bubble, which was kind of fun. You know, I had to give Gail that firsthand experience of seeing it. So I had to order another drink. It was a it was a must do. So my friends could have that experience. Hey, was I was awesome. I was there to get the slow mo of the smoke bubble popping. I mean, I got to get one of those. So bring another one. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, and I don't in Nightingales. Do we drink I, or did I drink? I don't think so. I don't think I ordered anything because we we were only in there for fifteen or twenty minutes to enjoy the piano player. I'm just curious if they've been able to restock the hand-blown bird-shaped glasses that they had when they started sailing and they only had three left by the time the maiden voyage hit. So, yeah. 
I didn't see those. And I was trying to pay attention to those kinds of details. So I don't remember that. And there are plenty of people around us who were enjoying beverages. So I have a feeling no. My guess is much like the Wish embroidered napkins and the leather Wish coasters, they are gone to the ether forever. So yeah, uh, well, that's important. To appear on eBay in a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's tough because it's the people who took them were travel agents and influencers. So if they end up on eBay, guess who's not getting invited back uh, next time around? So there you go. Not, oh. not us. That was not us. Not us. No, nope. we don't do that stuff. Let's talk about restaurants. And you brought up restaurants. You mentioned Palo. Uh, I, I, let's skirt Palo for one second. Let me ask about the rotational dining experience. And we'll get in. I, I, I do want to ask some questions around the particulars of that in a sailing that was impacted by a hurricane. But just general impressions of the three restaurants, 1923, Arendelle, and Worlds, Worlds, plural, of Marvel. What did you think of the, the three rotational dining restaurants? Gail, maybe let me throw that one to you first. Um, I will do a pro and con of each. I'm a huge Marvel fan, so I was really looking forward to it until I knew the main characters of the show. The second night we were in there, of course, there was not the actual show. The second night was actually probably more of my favorite because they just showed concept artwork. The, the movies, comics... Uh, that was just beautiful and, and played the soundtrack. So it was much more low-key. We tend to be, I think, a little bit more low-key. Arendelle had my favorite food, which I did not expect. The show was so over the top. We had to have some, some comments with our head server. The second night we were in there, no show, much better. Uh, 1923, as everybody has said, too tightly packed. My goodness. Uh, except we were right by the porthole. And with just that ambiance with the music and all the archive, I that would be my favorite place to dine. It's interesting, the tightly packed, because I think we thought all three restaurants were really sort of tightly packed and notice servers sort of struggling to serve actually Definitely. because uh, of how tightly packed it was. When you say the show was over the top, just noise level in general or, or yeah, what, what pushed it over the top for you? Well, number one, there's no Olaf in this show. So no, I don't... was supposed to be and ours had melted is what I got told after the cruise. Oh, I missed that. Okay. I've heard animatronic yes. Olaf has been having difficulties and his future in the okay. show is a bit unclear. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, if there is no Olaf, then just undo the show because it is just, it's just too much. It's constant from the moment you sit down until the moment you leave, there's singing that wasn't all that pleasurable to listen to. That restaurant is beautiful. I am not a massive Frozen fan, but we did both rewatch Frozen 2 just to make sure we knew where the storyline was before. And the, sh the restaurant makes that film and makes that set come alive in a whole new way. So I love the restaurant's decor, the menu, as Gail said, phenomenal, but that show was just too much. The second night we got in there was such a pleasure and such a joy because it was just a, you know, a quick little meet and greet with the princesses and with Sven, not Sven, Kristoff. Yeah. <laughs> Kristoff, yeah. <laughs> Although Sven would be great, but Kristoff and, you know, some light music playing in the background. That was perfect. They'll get that right. I said in my wrap up post for this um, cruise, Disney will fix this. They will get this right. What, what about food quality overall on the ship? And let me just start to layer into the pool dining. I have Donald's Cantina, the barbecue spot, all of these things people seem to read about. Like my, our impression was the food overall, like the game had changed. The, the, the bar had moved up with the wish. But I'm curious how the food quality was uh, on the ship overall for both of you. 
I couldn't agree more that the food quality of the new quick service dining options up on the pool decks is amazing. The barbecue was fabulous. The tacos were amazing. We actually had a bad chicken tender experience, which if you remember from our previous visit uh, here on the podcast is like sinful on Disney Cruise. Our our chicken tenders were kind of bleh. They weren't very crispy. We only got them one time because of that. So Well, they can't be bad on the ship that Scott Lang is actually telling you that they're life-changing like that's not right that's a a brand failure right this time yeah yeah luckily we've had chicken tenders so many times on the ship we know they're fabulous but these were not good i actually uh, arendelle the dinner was delicious Uh, i loved that food it was fabulous I don't share the sentiment that the food quality in the in the other two main dining restaurants is at the caliber I expected to be from Disney. Even in 1923, well, I had the filet, the peppercorn filet, I think. It was delicious. And, and it's on point with what that restaurant is themed to. I just didn't think the menu was all that tasty. So it, it's, it's still delicious and I'd eat there again in a heartbeat because I love the theming. Worlds of Marvel, I don't know if we'll ever go back. That's probably going to become a either, okay, we could do Palo that night or, okay, we'll just do main dining and, and chill that or a quick service dining and chill that night. So still great food all the way around and I ate way too much on the ship. I worry World of Marvel is not or Worlds of Marvel is not a repeatable experience in the same way that Animator's Palette is and you know people say oh well the show's an animator's palette don't yeah but you know there's something super special about mickey wandering around and sorcerer mickey and the animation magic show fundamentally changes every time to some extent because you got different characters and different drawings up there and even the crush show right? i mean the crush show is live and active and so very much depends on what the audience participation looks like so i find that that recorded show for marvel and the whole pims generator thing on the table it, it was fun the first time i think the show would be fun to see again but i don't know if every cruise i went on i'd want to see that that show for sure so palo you did palo did you do Palo brunch or Palo dinner? Dinner. Dinner. All right. Palo Steakhouse. Gail, what did you think about Palo Steak? Did you have a steak? Because I have heard of people who are going and getting some of the other stuff and I'm like, you're missing the chance. So did you have a steak and what did you think of it? So I know, Brian, you you have great expectations for what people are doing. So of course I did not have a steak. <laughs> We, uh, we're pretty much creatures of habit in Palo, which is probably not the, the best way uh, to go about it. Quite frankly, I ordered the exact same thing I had ordered at the other ship Palos. Um, it was good. My main course is always the papadelle with the, the lobster. It was good. It was not the best I'd ever had. The chocolate souffle, however, was on point as always. So I didn't feel that this was a new experience for me. What about you, Kara? Um, well, I'll answer the state question first. Uh, we, uh, we're we from Indiana. I live about seven miles from um, St. Elmo's Steakhouse and Harry and Izzy's Steakhouse, which are two of the best steakhouses in the country. I don't need to travel to get a steak. So I guess that's one of the reasons why we're just not drawn to it when we're on the ship. The prices, though, I will say prices in Palo Steakhouse, even though... I don't love the way they have reconfigured the platinum benefit where you have to order $45 worth of food to get your benefit. The prices of those steaks are phenomenal. So if you do want to do that and get a val- a really high value for your meal, um, if you're questioning the price, trust me, I know what beef at one of the best steakhouses in the country costs. It's a good price. 
I did the same thing. I did the Papadelli as well. I thought the food quality was very good. We've had a couple of misses in Palo on other ships. Um, the last couple of cruises that we've been on, this was very good. I enjoyed it. It was a very, it was a very lovely evening. You know, we're two best friends who are traveling together. Like it's, it's not, we don't need romance or any of that sort of stuff, but it was a lovely environment. It was the only place on the ship where there was plenty of space while we were eating. That was the one thing I would say about Palo over any other space that we were in is there was ample opportunity for the servers to move around. It's almost, so a friend of mine that we were sailing with on the maiden, he waited a few days and we'd experienced many of the things on board. And then he made a comment that completely changed how I viewed that whole area with Palo, Enchante and the Rose. And it was a really simple kind. He just said, it sort of feels like hallways that they put stuff in. Right. And I was like, yes, 100%. And, and then I started, I looked at Palo. I was like, there is a lot of space in here. They could probably fit more tables in here, but they're not, which is very fascinating to me considering the issues they're having getting people reservations on these cruises. It's even more apparent. I don't know if you peeked into Enchante, but it does just sort of like we ate at a table in the front room and I was like, I feel like I'm eating in the lobby, right? Like it it feels like a hallway and I'm in the lobby, Interesting, right? And so it was nice. We loved it. I actually, the atmosphere was fine. I thought it was kind of fun and, you know, understated minimalist, modern kind of thing. But at that moment, I was like, it does sort of feel like these spaces are designed to be changed and redesigned much more easily than anything I've seen on some of the other the other ships. So I don't know if that's the intent, but that's just sort of sort of how it felt. I did miss not being able to see into the kitchen. That is something we've enjoyed on past cruises, just being able to look in there. And I did miss that. I was going to say, Kara, the two things, it's interesting because the two things I recommend very strongly to people not to miss on The Wish these days, there's so many, but the two things is is one, getting a steak in Palo. I agree with you. There's, look, my wife and I, we go to all kinds of high-end restaurants, steakhouses included. She's a big steak person. And I'm sure you can get a better or as good or better steak in many other places. But I think the price of having that Wagyu steak, the size of the portion it is, uh, especially if you're a platinum cruiser, it immediately satisfies your $45 minimum. (laughs) You're basically getting your steak for free. Like I thought that was a really phenomenal steak at a really phenomenal price. You know, let's let's shift gears over to talking about some of the impacts of the hurricane. And I do want to talk about shows in a minute, but I kind of want to see how the hurricane may have impacted that a little bit. So when did the hurricane become a factor in this sailing? I mean, like night one, suddenly it's it's there and ever present and an issue. Or is it like further into the cruise, you start to start to learn things Uh, like when did it become an issue uh, in the sailing? It was bizarre. Actually, we had gone up to deck 12 for the sail away party. And right before that started, Captain Andy came on and said, we just want to let you know, kind of while you still have phone service, we anticipate we're probably not coming back on Friday like we planned. Well, we we would be late on Friday is what he said at that. That's right. That's right. And so if you can arrange with your carrier to take a later flight, maybe you should do that we were shocked. And because once you're inside the bubble, nothing bad is happening to you. And they don't admit that the world is going on outside. So we were pretty shocked that that happened. Now, most people were just like, 
okay, whatever. I don't, I don't remember seeing a ton of people picking up their phone and being like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah, no, that definitely, it was just like, okay. Or I would say our sailing was maybe 50, 50 new sailors and past sailors. So I'm not sure that some people even had an understanding of what that referred to. How do you know how many people were on the sailing? Was, was it a full sailing or was it a reduced sailing? I think we were probably about 85% is what I had sort of randomly heard. I mean, I got to figure it's after school started, which is usually kind of a slower period, but also some number of people probably canceled or or moved the trip in light of the hurricane. So yeah, uh, interesting. All right. So, well, at Sail Away, the hurricane becomes a factor. We already know the cruise gets extended to a six-night sailing from a four-night sailing. So how did they message that? Was that an incremental drip and drab of, well, now we're not going to get it on Friday, we're going to get it on Saturday? Or was it just at some point Disney said, nope, sorry, we're not coming back until Sunday? Like, how did they message that out to passengers? And was the mood spontaneous and, and instant and excitement? Or was the mood kind of mixed? Like, I, I, people probably plan vacation time and things like that. And so are they like, you know, is, I'm sure there's some trepidation on board. But yeah, what, how was it announced? And what was the mood like on board once it was? So we were in the Walt Disney Theater waiting for The Little Mermaid to begin. Uh, and I've also heard this story from a guest who was dining in Arendelle at the exact same time. So you know, theater is absolutely packed. There's not a seat to be had. You hear the chimes come over and everybody at this point now understands what the when you wish upon a star chimes mean and hush just falls over the theater. Because if you're a repeat cruiser like us, you're like, this is not normal. This is not what happens. And Captain Andy comes on again and gives what I will always call a, a masterclass in communication and emotional intelligence of saying, in, in light of what is happening and keeping your safety as the number one priority, as safety is the number one priority of, of the Walt Disney Company, we need to let you know based on port operations, because we have to get permission from the port to come back, that we will not be returning on Friday. It will be Saturday, most likely Sunday, that we will be returning. And Brian, you and I and Kara, we have been on many of these sailings in many theaters where these shows have been epic. I have never heard the crowd erupt like they did in that moment. It was like the buzzer shot of the Final Four game, except that we look over and there's a family diagonal from us. And it's like mom, dad, and the three princess daughters are in the middle. And the dad just looks like you have tortured him at this point with this news. (laughs) He was the only person on the ship that was unhappy, I think. I don't know what they were dealing with back home, but, you know, something did not work well in his life. It was kind of reminiscent of the the Kermit the Frog sort of freaking out. And then uh, this the cruise director comes on and basically said, Captain Andy just told you everything I was going to tell you and on with the show. And curtain went up and, and we had our show. I, I so I gotta I, I mean I gotta believe that the the mood was mostly joyous, right? I mean it's sort of like you just won the Disney lottery. You got you know uh, two two free nights on Disney Cruise Line, which uh, yeah is unheard of. I, and I just want to I totally want to agree with something you said, Gail, which uh, I think an announcement during a show in the theater, if they're not live and up on stage, is yeah those chimes go off. They don't interrupt 
dinner time or theater shows for announcements unless it's something important. Uh, second time is if they're coming over your stateroom announcements uh, after you've left port. That's also usually something very important. What, what, I guess what happens... For, I'm so curious what happens from there, right? In terms of like things that the cruise line did or provided because, you know, look, some people pack for a four-night cruise. Uh, they're not packed for a six-night cruise. So, what, you know, what goes on with like making sure people have clean clothes to wear? I'm always curious. I mean, you should bring extra medication, but I, I don't know what happens if you haven't. You know, internet to to deal with the travel arrangements and things like that. So, like, what happened? Like, what sorts of things happened on board to help sort of, I don't say ease the pain because staying on board for another two nights isn't necessarily painful, but, you know, provide some things that people might need in order to accommodate these extra two nights in their vacation? Um, so I had, we had decided very quickly that we weren't going to do anything because until we knew for certain when we were coming back, there was nothing for us to do. So we just kept in cruise mode. Other people did not respond in that way. And so once we did know, which we'll, we'll get to that point, that we did know we were going to come back at the the normal time of day on Sunday. Uh, I went, okay, it's early in the morning. I'm going to go down to guest services and see how bad it is because they're going to have to open the internet, right? And so I didn't have that long of a wait, got down there. As you would expect, they were very accommodating. And they said, would you like to either step down and use the phones that we have, which most of the older guests were using? Uh, we're going to go ahead and, okay, you want internet? We're going to go ahead and, and give you the middle package of that. And so he said, sign up for it on your phone. We're immediately going to reverse the charges and you uh, will have that complimentary through the duration of the cruise. I thought they would give it to us for one day. Uh, we did only have it for one device. So it was actually very easy for us to log out, log on to the other one and go in, in that way. Um, the second thing that I will mention is they went ahead and brought us our gratuity envelopes on Friday. And they had no expectation that you were going to get charged two extra nights of gratuities, which I think a lot of us went down and said, no, we're, we're not going to short the crew. Although I had heard the cruise line was going to go ahead and pay the crew their extra two nights. And then, uh, Kara, I don't know if you want to tackle uh, some other things with phone and airline and the laundry. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we, we had more than enough clothes to get through the cruise without any difficulty. Um, we're sort of masterful at the mix and match sort of clothes thing. So it wasn't a big deal for us. We did though, as we were doing some of the tours around the ship, we checked out the world's fanciest laundry room at sea on deck eight. Um, and I know that people don't like that there's only one on the ship, but I mean, as laundry rooms go, it's pretty gorgeous. Um, we did a video tour of it. So we've got that on my website. I had to eat my words about the laundry because I was like, why? What? And I walked through and I was like this, this right here. They needed a giant laundry when a cruise gets extended. Here we are. Yeah. Yeah. So if you needed, it, it, I, there wasn't like a rush on it. When we walked in, I think there were three or four washers and dryers going and somebody using an iron. So it, it there was plenty of space and accommodation. I don't know if they made extra accommodation for it or not, but that was, it was there. When Gail came back to the room with the internet access, I hopped on to my phone and updated both of our flights. Uh, we were on separate reservations. So I just had to log in and do that twice. It took, I don't know, probably 10 minutes and on both flights were fixed. And because I'd booked my flight with points, I had to just work the airline afterwards and get those refunded, but that was no big deal either. So it was super easy. 
crazy. Harkening back to our 2010 experience where, you know, it was a one day delay. It still handled well by Disney, but that was back before the internet was even reasonably high quality. They opened the internet up to everybody, but it was hard to even get online to email back home or to do stuff. And there, I I just, that cruise will always have cemented in my mind, folks standing in line waiting for the phone in the atrium at guest services. There was none of that on this cruise. Certainly there were a couple of lines at guest services, but it was never bad any time that we went through there. And we wandered all over the ship every single day. So there was, it was never that bad at all. I mean, it got worse as each day progressed Yeah, of people finally getting in line. They did not open the internet just, hey, here's the internet for everybody on the ship very smartly because it was, I don't know what it would have been like. There weren't as many people on it. It was slow. Cannot fathom that it would have handled if suddenly everybody had access to it. Well, we need to take a quick pause in the action to thank our amazing show sponsor over at My Path Unwinding Travel. We have really come to love all of the agents over at My Path Unwinding Travel who you've heard on this show. So many of their agents have been on the show sharing their great experiences with concierge sailing, adventures by Disney, and just unique sailings across the Disney portfolio. And so have really come to rely on their expertise as we think about our own vacations, questions we've had about sailing concierge for the first time, questions about unique itineraries, and they are just so knowledgeable, so friendly, so giving of their time. My Path Unwinding has some fabulous Facebook groups out there that you can join around concierge sailing, the Disney Wish, the Disney Treasure, just all kinds of great groups where they answer questions from people who haven't even booked vacations with them. So love, love, love the great experience, expertise, friendliness of My Path Unwinding travel. So if you are thinking about booking your next Disney Cruise Line vacation, maybe been thinking about taking the leap and upgrading to concierge or have been eyeing some special adventures by Disney trip or really just want to benefit from the knowledge and expertise that a great travel expert can provide, highly recommend heading over to mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo to book your next fabulous vacation. Use that link so they know the DCL Duo sent you. And with that, back to our episode. Did you have a port stop after they made this announcement or was your port stops done by this point? So, no, we'd already gone to Nassau. And so the announcement we just got, that came Tuesday night. But Wednesday morning, the chimes came on in the stateroom again. Because Wednesday morning, the the ship, I think, woke everybody up. Because, man, I said, if we are feeling this vibration on 9 forward, I cannot imagine what's happening in the aft of the ship right now. And it's because they were attempting to dock at Castaway, and that ended up being a failure. So we did not have Castaway on Wednesday. However, they came on and very quickly said, we're going to try again on Saturday. Two shots. You got two shots at it. Well, that's nice. But they did not add any additional stops anywhere. We did have a, a weird sort of emergency stop in Nassau. Was that Thursday night? Friday night. I don't know. The days did really start to mix together Friday night. The captain had come on and said, we're going to, in the morning, and said, we're going to make a stop in Nassau. It's just going to be a stop and go. And we were having dinner in 1923 that night. And so we were a port window and we could see, we docked, and an ambulance came up alongside the ship, went down to the end, and then left. And then we pulled right back out. So I assume there was some sort of medical emergency. Obviously, it wasn't so terrible that we we didn't move 
any faster. You know, you can tell when the ship picks up speed and we definitely didn't pick up speed, but they clearly wanted to help someone get off the ship in Nassau. So they did that for a medical reason, but that was the only stop we made other than Castaway later in the week. So you alluded to, at some point you find out you are firmly coming home on Sunday. The, the decision has been made. When did that happen on board? Maybe I, let me ask you that, Kara. It was either Wednesday night or Thursday morning. We knew far in advance uh, that we were coming back on Sunday and us being sort of the, the Disney nerds that we are said, oh, you know, how many, how many other ships are coming back? So we heard there were sort of five ships that we were all out together because we saw some of them in Nassau. And when we came back to Nassau, and I immediately said, I bet it's not going to be Saturday because the fantasy is going to be at our terminal. We came back uh, in 2010 and we did have to debark at a different terminal because there were two Disney ships in, um, but that actually is what happened this time. I'm also curious about sort of what changes on board at this point, too, because now, you know, look, you've got two more nights of restaurants, two more nights of entertainment. And if any, if I know anything about Disney, it's going to be the party continues, right? <laughs> like this is not going to become a dour situation and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Like it's, it's going to be like any other Disney cruise. You know, I've heard they keep enough provisions on board on any of these ships for like up to two weeks of sailing at any given time. So I'm assuming like, you know, food ran out, but like what happened in terms of like menu offerings in these restaurants? Cause she is not set up for seven night sailing. So presumably they don't have much by way of alternative menus on board. They've got three rotational menus in Pirate Night if you're on a four-night sailing, and that's that's it. So did they start repeating menus, or did they get some new menus out? And what about shows and entertainment and that sort of thing? So Yeah, so Glenn, our cruise director came out sort of giddy about all the changes that they were going to make. I think he, t- I think they told us the morning announcement when Castaway Key got sort of rained out. That was the first time that Glenn came on in the morning into the stateroom is like, but don't worry in 30 minutes, check the app, refresh it. And we've got a whole swath of new things for you. And um, so we got to see a custom show that I don't think exists anywhere else on Disney Cruise Line. I honestly think they kind of put that together on the spot. He was very specific that they had to get approval to add some some special things that would normally just be on the transatlantic or a Panama. So then we got excited too. They did a game show, a villain thing. You poked your head into that. What was that? Villain game night. Apparently they are, are starting to test and pilot to actually put on the ship permanently, but it was not ready to go. And they were very specific. No photos, no video anything of this of this game show so they were serious wow and what was the what was the theater production that they did that was sort of unique it was called the victrophonics and i'm really sad that other people didn't be like okay disney's gonna do something cool here because the theater was pretty empty for it one of the one of the dancers came out and did tap they had two vocalists and then they had a keyboard drummer and a couple of instrumentalists who were from different musical groups around the ship and they they came together and they did a selection of sort of jazzed up Disney melodies from they kind of gave it sort of a 40s, uh, you know, 20s to 40s kind of vibe. Tons of fun, excellent performances. Um, we both love tap. So it was fun to see that we love the live music. So it was a great little show. And I honestly think they just pulled magic out of a hat and did that. I don't think they had done that anywhere else before. You know, they printed some cool little banners off on the computer and stuck them on all the stuff to make a pretty stage show. 
pulled a wood tap mat out so that you could hear the taps uh, while she was tapping. Clearly the, and I always say the the multimedia audiovisual crew, they do such a great job on these ships anyway, but they went above and beyond to make sure we had some fun things to do and, and did a great job with that. So it was fun. They pulled out the napkin folding and the towel animals that were not scheduled, but we know are on the other ones. And then um, the one that I was super excited about, because we've only done this on one other sailing, was Disney Dance Camp, because I do have that in my background. And so they had three dancers from the stage show. We all met up in Hero Zone, which was the perfect venue for this. And they taught us last, I don't know, 64 bars or something of Under the Sea from The Little Mermaid Show. Wow, that music is fast. Um, and we were even beside a- another cruiser. The woman said, I moved our Palo reservation just to come to this. And her husband is just rolling his eyes. But I absolutely love that. So that was special for me. Did they do anything special with characters? Did they put them out in any like unique costumes or anything like that? Or... Not unique costumes, but man, if you missed a character sighting on this, like if you didn't see characters, that was because you didn't leave your stateroom. They were everywhere all the time. The show team did an amazing job and they had to have been exhausted after this. So, Well, and to go back to something you said, I'm really pleased to hear at least a rumor that Disney took care of the crew in terms of their tips because that was when I saw online that they were extending the sailing, there was a little bit of a debate going on around people about like who should pick up the tab here. And uh, I actually, you know, fully support people who went down and, you know, said, I, I want to make sure the crew get compensated. That's great. But I also recognize not everyone can do that. Some people have budgeted to be on this cruise and the two additional nights of gratuities may just be something they, they can't do, uh, don't want to do, which is another conversation. But I think Disney should absolutely backstop in a moment of emergency to say, look, we've made the decision here. So we want to make sure that you guys get your tips. Cause I would have, I would have been really scratching my head if Disney had let them go without their tips. Cause that, that impacts crew morale and then crew morale, bad crew morale means bad customer experience. <laughs> so yeah. I do want to fill in because this has been a topic when we've been on here before. We did do two things on this sailing that we had never done before. So um, because we we went to the shows and we were doing some things later into the evening where we were still awake and we knew we now had more time. Uh, we went to Match Your Mate. Um, oh, and finally, finally. Yeah, finally. Fabulous. We'd never done that, which was made even more special because the um, the oldest couple featured was from Indiana. And so we didn't know them, but we knew places they spoke of and things like that. So that was, that was, it was hilarious. I have not laughed that hard in a really long time. And then Gail will tell you about the other thing we did that was new. We finally went to Silent DJ and they're having Silent DJ in Hero Zone, which again, is the perfect location because there is so much space. And so if there's big groups, if there's little groups, if you just want your corner by yourself, we even turned it up a notch. We decided during Silent DJ, we were also going to try to paint, play ping pong in the offshoot room. Wow. We took a little video that shall never be seen in public ever again. But we had a really good time. But it's on my YouTube channel if you check it out. Oh, uh, okay, you good. Put good. It, oh, I was no. going to say, like, what can I put down here for, for a Patreon exclusive? Uh, there you go. <laughs> So it actually leads me to ask what you thought about Hero Zone, another unique space on Disney Disney Wish. I think it sounds like you thought it was a great space for some of these activities. But what did you think about the Hero Zone overall, Kara? 
So we, um, we were probably in there five or six times, which is, I mean, more visits to a sports themed area on a ship than we've probably ever done in total on 15 and 17 previous sailings. The, the upper deck has air hockey and foosball and some other things. We played air hockey once or twice. We went in and watched Incredigames games and, uh, saw that we, we did not choose to participate in that. Definitely. If you want to do the Incredi course, pack your, uh, grippy socks so that you can do that later. And we talk about this all the time. Like the crew has to hate having to get that Incredizone course out and blow that thing up and keep it up because it kind of it kind of wa- wafted a couple of times while we were there um, watching. They've got well, it. It has this alarm on it, and the alarm kept going off. And on top of the music and the people being excited and the commentators. Uh, so it was certainly the most lively venue we'd ever been on on a Disney ship. Was it like an underinflation alarm or something? <laughs> like, yes, okay. yes. Because it. yeah. it's, it's an immediate safety issue because you could sort of fall over the side when it deflates. So it, it's, and they were, they were on it. The second it happened, they're like, nope, everybody come back. We got to check this out. Um, so, you know, you see, this is one of the things I do love about Disney is you just see that value of safety everywhere. And on this ship, just because of the overarching concern with the hurricane, we certainly saw that front and center in so many places. But I think Hero Zone is a masterful design. We Again, we took more time in there than we've ever been in sports-related spaces. We love Putt-Putt. You know, I, I kind of was like, oh, I wish we could do putt-putt. That's the only thing I miss. There's so much more value, I think, in Hero Zone that you don't get when you don't have that space. I mean, what's interesting about it is, you know, you described it as a sports space. I actually step back as a multi-purpose space, which it is. The, sport, yeah, that's the, true. The, the sports courts weren't before really, because they were outdoors and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I love that aspect. I mean, it's almost like if they wanted to, they could put a putt-putt course out for a few hours, right? You know, one day. So yeah, I mean, it, I think it opens up possibilities, which is always kind of fun when it comes to the ships. I wanted to ask you about one more space that's been a little divisive, which is Luna, the two-story theater slash, you know, whatever they want it to be space. Gail, what did you think about Luna? We've been hearing mixed reactions to that space. I mean, everybody, you know, talks about the the openness of it, which it does. It does pull people in as you're walking by. Hey, what's going on in here? Do I want to stop for this? Do I not want to stop? So I think having that space is great. We looked at it and went, you took that space. And so Triton's Lounge and Keg and Compass are now too small for what you are needing that to be. We were in Luna on both the the bottom deck and the top deck of it for a couple of different events. The top deck, you know, it's it's a little bit like the theater that you actually don't want to sit in the first row because you've got all the railing it's it's impeding you. I don't know, just the it's almost multi-purpose-esque of what they can do in there. So I see the value in there and we saw lots of times where it was it was packed. And so I don't know if that's good that it's popular or bad that there's not enough space to accommodate everybody. So we know, I mean, spoiler alert, we know you ended up docking at Castaway Key, which is a fabulous way to cap off any cruise, in my opinion. I know you made it home safely on Sunday and everyone got off okay. Uh, Is there anything about the sailing that we haven't talked about that the two of you wanted to be sure to highlight? Since since Gail is nodding vigorously, I'm going to start her. Go ahead. So this was not only an activity, but is now what I have nicknamed this entire sailing, which was Uncharted Adventure. Oh, yes. Yes. You got to play it all the way through. Yes. I want to hear all about it. 
So I think they had finally um, turned it on, if you will, only one or two sailings before us. And when they had announced this on the the initial announcement of the ship years ago, this was the one thing I was really excited about. And I knew if it wasn't on our sailing, I was going to be really disappointed. So we decided to literally carve out a, a a big chunk of time because we didn't know what it was going to entail. And I will say when you're going into it, unlike midship where you can just go down, grab your your cards and your sheet and you take off and you go, this takes some setup. And for the two of us, it took us about 10 minutes to get it set up because every player has to create an avatar. So you get to customize that whole thing. Welcome to the Disney Cruise Line metaverse. Yes, Yes, exactly. exactly. Which which means every active player has to have their own cell phone. This is definitely unlike uh, midship where it's very accommodating to virtually all ages. This is a little bit more mature. So the littlest cruisers, this is probably not going to be for them unless they're just going to be observing. It did function like midship where it's telling you where you're going next on the ship. But when you're getting to the uh, magical artwork, there's a gamification aspect to it. So if you are not used to picking up your phone and using it as a game controller, that takes a couple of minutes to go, wait, how, am I? is it forward, backward, sideways? Am I tilting and turning? And so there were two of us and a lot of these things that we had to do, we were also competing against each other and we were earning points and it was totaling up the points and the points were going with us. So there's all of these new aspects. If you wanted to do it by yourself, you could. It was really built to be for a team. You did have to have a leader um, to lead your team on a quest. So you always had to assign who the leader was with that. Um, I will say because the phone was so much more active, when we were going from place to place, I had to turn the screen off on my phone because my phone was getting so hot. When we got to the next space and reloaded it, it picked up exactly where we had left off. We only had to reload uh, the game, if you will, a couple of times. We only had one magical artwork that we couldn't get it to work with us. And it accommodated that. It just sent us someplace else. So from a Disney technology standpoint, I was overwhelmingly happy and surprised at how well this worked. I was prepared for this to be a nightmare because if something like that doesn't work, uh, one of us in this partnership is very angry about it. And (laughs) I was, I was prepared to be like, okay, this afternoon, we're going to go like run around the decks to get that anger out. You know, I think you had to reset yours once or twice. I had to reset on, and you're on iOS, I'm on Android. So I had to reset mine a couple of times. The resets worked just fine. It was just, you know, restart the app. It was no big deal. And it was fun. I will say the only thing I still don't understand, and maybe Gail, maybe you caught this. I don't know what the points were for. I don't know if we won anything or lost anything. Was that in the final show? So it was in the final show. So during, at the end of the sailing somewhere, ours popped up on Friday. So I don't know when it was supposed to actually. There were two offerings of Battle for the Wishing Star. And so it was promoted as if you have been playing this, especially if you've completed it, this is the culminating event. And so you you come down and the characters are animated and on the screen trying to help figure out what the solution was to the whole thing. So I won't give any of that away. And then at the very, very, very end, after you know they've 
defeated the villain and the ship is safe and we will continue on with our, our merry cruise, they would show like these leaderboards of who had the most points doing X or who had the fastest completion of X. We weren't, we weren't on any of those. We, we were not on any of those, <laughs> uh, but they didn't make a big deal about it. It was not like trivia. There was no winner. There were no medals or awards or anything like that. Um, and on that note, trivia has a whole new slate of medal awards. Uh, we heard this. We've heard this. Yeah, the new medals floating around. Yeah, for, for Uncharted, for Uncharted Adventure, I'm curious. So you mentioned the setup. Is it all within the Disney Cruise Line app, or do you have to get a different app down on your phone before you get on board? So I had read in advance that you had to have the Disney Parks, the Play Disney Parks app. So we had it, but it seemed as though that is not where it was based, that it was based out of the cruise line app. And how long did it take to play? Uh, and, you know, estimate, like, was this a, this a half hour oh, distraction? Right. There are no estimates. It- it, there's no, there are no estimates here. We, we detail time. <laughs> oh, timed it. it was an okay. hour and it was an hour and 36 minutes on the first tape for the first two adventures and an hour. So including the setup, including the, the setup first, and the first two quests. Quests. I got the wrong word. And then it was an hour and eight minutes on the second day for the second two quests. Oh, that's that's pretty. I mean, so one person we talked to, it said, oh, it's not like midship because you don't get different storylines or whatever. But if you've got multiple quests, then it is like midship detective. Oh, yeah, agency. there were yeah. there were ton, there were four different storylines. And the great thing about this that I think I mean, I still love doing midship. I will do it again the next time we're on those ships. But you you kind of know what's going to happen. You kind of know where it's going to take you. You kind of know what's going to happen. They can add more quests to this. So the next time we're on, we could do four new quests and it could be a completely different experience with completely different games because they're gamifying virtual and non-virtual artwork. I think I can say that safely without giving anything away. I know Sam cannot wait to play this thing when we're on board next. So uh, she will be excited to hear this segment, uh, although she doesn't listen to our podcast. So maybe I'll force her to listen to this one. <laughs> but yeah, I know she's excited to play. So really, really cool to hear that it worked and that uh, it seemed interesting and fun and you know, a little hassle with the setup, but you know, otherwise seemed pretty smooth. I assume once you set up once, is it set up for you the next time you play? Yeah, and it wasn't, and I will say it's it's just, it's setting up the beginning of any game. You know, you got to pick your hair color and your, like I got to customize now because I didn't have pink hair when I did it the last time. Um, you know, so it's just that kind of stuff. It's not hard. It just, if you have somebody that's going to like obsess over which shoes you're wearing in the app, then, you know, it could take longer, but otherwise it doesn't, it's not that big a deal. And to your point, every game has set up, every game has a tutorial. Like you, 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 can't, you can't just start playing the game without, yeah, most cases. So, well, I think we've got to that point in the show where we need to do a little rapid fire. And since Sam's not here, I guess you're stuck with me. I will say that I am less arbitrary. You know, it's still no rules, but I'm going to focus on just Disney Wish favorites since we've been talking about the Wish this whole time. So let's talk about some Disney Wish favorites. So let me start with, Kara, what was your favorite bar on board the ship? The Rose. The Rose. Gail. Nightingales. All right. Favorite rotational dining restaurant. Gail, let me start with you. I have to pick 1923 from the ambiance alone. Kara? Arendelle, but only because we got the second night because we were delayed and that menu is fantastic. What was your favorite show on board, Kara? Oh, that's hard. I'm going to go with The Little Mermaid. I know it's getting knocked some. I thought the cast knocked it out of the park. It was beautiful. Divisive show for sure, but I'm I, like, I can't like 
you're putting on a Broadway style show at sea. You get a little slack, uh, even from someone like me. So Gail, favorite show? Um, I'm also going to say The Little Mermaid because there was one point in the show after one of the huge production numbers that also had some emotional pull that I just felt that. And I immediately thought, this is why I cruised Disney Cruise Line. This right here. Favorite quick service dining on board. Gail? All of those. Like that Mickey and Friends Festival flavors. We only went to Marceline once, maybe twice. And... I don't need to go to Marceline ever again, like bless them for what they do. But I just am blown away at what they did with that quick service. Kara, favorite quick service dining? You know what? I'm going to give an odd one because we didn't actually end up eating it inside out at all because we enjoyed the ice cream, which is odd. We never do the ice cream stands on the other ships. Soft serve. Thank you. The soft serve on the other ships. We really enjoyed it and had a couple of less than adequate experiences in Joyful Sweets and so chose not to do that. So I'm going to give my kudos to the ice cream, the soft serve stand. Yeah, I love that the soft serve stand on the Wish actually has more machines so they can keep more flavors going. Uh, You don't have to be like, is today strawberry banana day or not? Um, All right. Favorite onboard activity. Carol, let me start with you. Only because it was so special and it made Gail so incredibly happy. I was so glad we got to do dance camp this cruise. So huge shout out to the crew for making that happen. Clearly, I agree with that completely, even though it's not a regular offering. All right. Favorite just space on board the ship? This is a little tough one because I think this is where all of those sort of questions and concerns about the layout come into play. There was never one place that I just kept gravitating back toward. So I I have a non-answer for you right now. All right. Kara? Yeah, we. I'll say Nightingales just because we did end up in there uh, sort of when we needed a place to hang in the evenings as we were moving between activities. But we have that spot on every other ship and we haven't figured out what that is on the wish yet. All right. Well, my last question in rapid fire before I have just two more brief questions for you. But my last question in rapid fire is going to be, where does the Disney wish rate for you across the rest of the Disney fleet? Gail, where does it fall for you? So in context, we love filling out the survey at the end of the cruise, like nerd status right here. We And they were always like, please go do this. No, no, no. We have carved out time to do this. So we sat on veranda to do it this time, had this very discussion and said, you know, any Disney cruise is, is better than just about all of the other things that we pick to do. But where does it fall in line compared to the other ships? And for me, it's, it's not near the top. I will, I will put the experiences and the destinations that we get on the magic and the fantasy above that. But we also really like the longer cruises and the wish perhaps we'll never do that. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Kara, where does it fall for you? Same spot, basically? Um, yeah, it's the same spot. I would, I would rather be on a longer sailing and I would, I enjoy the environments of the other ships. I, um, the wish is definitely not off my list. Um, you know, if we have op- other opportunities to be on there and it's, it goes somewhere interesting, go back in a heartbeat. Um, but I'm not going to choose it just because it's the wish. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, what's next? What's next for the two of you? You always seem to have a fabulous cruise out ahead. Where are we headed next, Gail? 
Well, it's very sad because right now we have nothing actually reserved. And I don't remember the last time we had this. We are we are waiting to see a couple of things that um, hopefully in February, either another Marvel Day at Sea now on the dream or because of wanting the longer cruises, taking a Pixar Day at Sea on the fantasy. We'll have to see what pops up and which one we choose. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I'm hoping those there's another round of itinerary. It's, it feels like we're getting less and less uh, itineraries as the uh, post-COVID era progresses, <laughs> that they've slowly shaved us down to less than a year's worth of stuff that we can book. And uh, that always makes me anxious. Uh, so I'd, I'd love to see a little bit more breathing room there for sure. But yeah. Gail, I know you are a fabulous travel specialist yourself. And so I wanted to give you a chance to let folks know where they can find and connect with you and all of your travels if they want to book a fabulous Disney cruise vacation. So do you want to let folks know where they can find you? Sure. My name is Gail Hartle Road and it's Gail with a Y. And I am with Often Neverland Travel. And I'm most easily found at facebook.com slash Neverland. Fabulous. And Kara, have you, you've mentioned your website a few times now. Do you want to let folks know where they can find and connect with you as well? Sure. Um, I am a coach and creative problem solving specialist. And you can find me at um, I want to be me when I grow up.com. Nice. Love it. Love that. Uh, it's awesome. Well, thank you both as always for coming on. I know, Gail, you reached out while you were on board and, and asked if we wanted to chat with you. And we always we always want to chat with you and Kara. It's fabulous. So thank you for sharing your story with us and for coming on today. We really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it, Brian. Thanks, Brian. As always, thank you so much out there for listening to our show this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us those five-star reviews. And if you leave us a written review, we will read it on the air in our main show each and every week. We love connecting with you, our listeners, and hearing your feedback. So head over there, leave us a review. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also connect with our show via our voicemail line. If you'd like to send us a question, a comment, or otherwise have us address your feedback on the air, then just leave us a message at 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. If you'd like even more great content from the DCL Duo, you can always browse to youtube.com slash DCL Duo for our vlog. If you'd like to help support the show, you can always browse to patreon.com slash DCL Duo and choose from one of our monthly support tiers. Really do appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there for making this show happen each and every month. We also really appreciate our amazing show sponsor, My Path Unwinding Travel. So if you're looking to book your next fabulous Disney vacation, head over to www.mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo to book your next fabulous vacation. Use that link so they know the DCL Duo sent you. The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of Disney Cruise Line or the Disney Company. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night. Good night.